Hello everybody, it's David Redden here with you having a general sports conversation and podcast with the great man and the chief commentator of the Black Diamond Cup, Lucas Holmes. G'day Louie, how are you mate? Welcome. Good afternoon David, always great to speak to you and general sport, we obviously uh, normally spoke uh, since we are shows that we're so involved in in recent years, but great to uh, speak more generally with a variety of topics with Indeed. Lucas, the first thing I'd like to, and thank you for your time, the first thing I'd like to focus on, and I was very keen to get your opinions, is someone who, it's fair to say, is Collingwood's one of the loves of your life, and like a lot of Collingwood fans, you're a Collingwood tragic, and the club actually means a lot to you. Um, I wanted to have a genuine conversation with you about what's gone on at Collingwood in the last 14 days. Pretty momentous times, Eddie Maguire... Uh, allegedly making a hash of a press conference talking about racism and then basically stepping down with immediate effect as the president of Collingwood after more than 20 years or around 20 years. Lucas, what's your take on it all? I'll certainly give my opinion, but what's your take on it all? Yeah, it's not a surprise, I don't think, David, ever since uh, the report was released, which apparently, just reading in the last few days, Collingwood were uh, going to release it publicly, but it was... uh, taken by one of the news outlets in, uh, from, not mass produced, but uh, get, uh, shown to the public on a great scale a lot before it was going to, David. But I started there, it's no real surprise. I think uh, Maguire obviously has had a long affiliation with Collingwood, about 23 years, David. Um, started as a as, as Collingwood president in 1998, the year I was born, funnily enough, on his 34th birthday, and was, uh, has the... Uh, has, been in, in the president's role in the football club the third longest time, David, in AFL, AFL history. So that's an achievement. But yeah, the uh, remarks that he made about that uh, report, David, uh, was not really, really surprising. The backlash last year, Dr. David, he was saying that it was a proud day for Collingwood when uh, the, the report was released in, a, in racism that was levelled against the club, most notably by former players former premiership player Harry Lamont last David. So uh, no real surprise from the backlash, but um, uh, uh, overall he's done a great job, not just for Collingwood, but for the league in general. I couldn't agree more. I think that he's done more good than harm at Collingwood. And remember, you won't remember because you were, as you said, you'd just been born. Collingwood were at their wits' end. And he, not single-handedly, but he has had a huge amount with taking them from the, the... the dungeons to the penthouse as regards a football club on and off the field. They've got pretty high standards. They've got excellent facilities. They've won a premiership. They've been consistently competitive. And I think that in modern parlance, he's one of the most important people in the history of Collingwood. Lucas, to be quite honest, if you go back to Mr. McHale, who's probably the most important person, Bob Rose, people like Tony Shaw, uh, the Shaw family. But Eddie Maguire sits up with them, considering he wasn't a footballer, his contribution to their club has been immense. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to sweep under the carpet the recommendations on that report. It is clear that there have been significant ingrained issues at that football club, and I will state that that can't be glossed over. That is an extremely serious matter, and Lumumba has been very vocal and very brave uh, as someone who is uh, not a Caucasian himself to come out and say what he has about his time at the club and the way he was treated. And he's been consistent, Lucas. And I don't think I don't think for a moment that Lumumba is overly popular in football, but I don't think people think he's a liar. And um, 
what's happened is very unfortunate for Maguire. I think it's unfortunate for Collingwood. However, it creates a line in the sand moment for the football club to move on. I think that some of the people in Victoria that were circling Eddie Maguire had personal beefs with Eddie Maguire. And I think that that's fact. I can't name people on this podcast because it's a public list because I it's you know it could be defamatory but there are certain journalists that point blank hate him and have always made his life difficult. So look, I'm not giving excuses. The the press conference was somewhat of a train wreck. He should have said that this is a day of reckoning for the club and a day where we acknowledge the shame and so forth and actually copped it on the chin. His choice of words was clumsy. He has been clumsy at times, Lucas. The the one that sticks in my mind the most was Adam Goods. I know that Adam Goods is not overly popular with some people in society, but having met Adam Goods on a few occasions, he should be because he's a very fine man. Yeah, that Adam Goods Goods case, David, and if you look back just to Collingwood, um, just a little bit broadly, that Ted Shaw incident a few years ago with the drink driving thing, that was sort of swept quite up. Hastily out of the carpet as well. So there's a, sort of two main instances where he, he's got a few things wrong, David. But as you said, of the whole, he's done more good than bad for Collingwood and the league in general. A hundred percent, Lucas. I couldn't agree more. Um, as a Collingwood man, are you yep. confident of where the club is now that they can continue to thrive under a very good coach? and a positive administration moving forward um, into the next couple of seasons, Lucas? Well, it's interesting, David, that there was, there is widespread change, obviously, at the moment, but it was coming. Um, if we go back to before this incident, it was it was made public that Maguire was going to stand down at the end of the 2021 season anyway, David. So yep. there was already already in the background some looking for the next uh, president of the club, which, is, which obviously has now been sped up there. Potentially, you're looking at the next an announcement in the next six to eight weeks of a new president, David. And in the last few days, um, the CEO of Collingwood, uh, former swimming executive Mark Anderson, has come out and publicly said they'll do everything to uh, look at look at coaching before they extend the tenure of Nathan Buckley as well. David obviously took over on another murky circumstance of that the mess that was the. Malt House uh, Buckley changeover at the end of the 2011 season, which was arguably Collingwood's, Collingwood's best side, um, even that better than that 2010 uh, uh, Premiership side, David. So there's some interesting things going on at the moment. Indeed. Um, moving on in football before we get on to talk about cricket and a couple other things that I know you want to talk about. Uh, Jeff Kennett, as always, has got an opinion on something. Um, I'm looking at an ESPN article at the moment on Jeffy talking about the creation of a Tasmanian side in the AFL. Lucas, the, the Tasmanian side in the AFL has a, some good things going for it. One, it's a football state. Two, they've got two excellent stadiums, one at York Park and Launceston, and the other is at Bell Revival in Hobart. The question is, Lucas, the money. And that has always been the issue, is the corporate support and the money that it takes to actually run a football side. There are no cities in Australia that have an AFL team that are anything like as small as Launceston or Hobart, okay? Yeah. Um, your thoughts on where Tasmania goes, particularly in current times. I, I will have an opinion this time. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon unless somebody moves. Yeah, and was Kenneth, didn't, didn't Kenneth say in that same press conference or conference call, whatever it may have been, that they had the potential of Hawthorne moving to Tasmania, which was a 
traded the night. We've been the same for a long time, but it's interesting. And they announced this morning that AFL two they're in a twenty two point two million dollar uh, hole from the hole from the twenty twenty season with the creation of hubs and charter flights and that sort of thing. So just back up to your point there, it's not going to happen anytime soon, David. And you, as you said there. It would have to be a Tasmanian side on the whole. It couldn't just be a, a lawn a lawn testing side or a Hobart side, David. There has to be a sort of the state of Tasmania would have to have their own side. But yeah, I don't think it would be happening anytime soon. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's realistic, particularly with the Giants and the Suns really not generating huge gross profit. Oh, sorry, net profit themselves. Um, you would think that if anyone, if anything happens, someone would move. Um, you know, the Gold Coast are showing signs of life now after a real low bottoming out. So that watch this space for Tasmania, but it, I don't think it'll happen anytime before the middle of the decade. Changing sports, Lucas, we, you mentioned off-air when we were doing our prep for this interview, you'd like to talk about cricket, which oh, I love talking with you, about you as well, with you as well. Moeen Ali, a really interesting situation there. Uh, after a pretty decent performance in, in the second test in Chennai on an absolutely ridiculous doctored Bunsen burner in Chennai. And if anybody else has got a problem with that, come speak to me because that's what it was. Yeah, you've uh, found two pretty good allies there, David, Mark Wall and Michael Vaughan, the former England skipper who had the same view. Interesting, you don't see um, many pitches spin like that on day five, let alone on day one and day two, David. So it was interesting to see just following from afar from statistics and highlights and blogs and that sort of thing as well. But... Yeah, interesting to see Mo and Ali omitted from the last uh, two uh, tests of the series over there in India. India David already missing the likes of uh, Johnny Bairstow, Josh Butler, um, and Tom Curran too, who was who hasn't played and missed actually missed the big bash as well. David over here who had signed with the Sydney Sixers and did another a number of English players that decided uh, to take some time off and rightly so in the current circumstances, David. Obviously, those involved in the IPL were living in bubbling in Dubai and the US, United Arab Emirates, and then having to do that over in Australia as well would be uh, very tough on them and their lives at this stage. But yeah, Moen Ali not playing his last two tests has been quite impressive, actually, David. Um, playing more as a bowler than, than in the past, where he's studying in the top, uh, was either opening or playing as a number three, though, which I didn't quite seen as that, but I think he's found his niche now as that sort of lower order hitter that holds fairly deep and off-speed, David. Look, I'm reading from an article on Crick Info, and as I'm sure you do, Crick Info comes up with some excellent essays on cricket. Moen Ali's last 11 tests, he's taken 56 at 25.69, and that's commensurate with any finger spinner in the world. Um, if you take out Ashwin's figures on the subcontinent and Jardasia's, and of course Jardasia is injured, that's world-class form. It's really interesting how they've treated him. I think he should be one of their spinners and batting at eight, perhaps underneath Butler and Stokes. I think that if you have Stokes, Butler, Ali in a full-strength side, six, seven, eight, I think that's very strong. Um, I, you wonder whether they've handled him properly over his career. He's now got 189 test wickets at 36. And his batting average is just short of 29. He's been a pretty decent cricketer over 56 tests. So you wonder where England will go and if he, in fact, will play another test, Lucas. I, I can't answer that myself. Um, and unfortunately, I'm just looking at scores as we're speaking. New South Wales struggling in the Sheffield Shield at the SCG, but hopefully the boys can pick up and put some runs against the dreaded Victorian enemy. Lucas, you wanted to talk tennis and talk about Ash Barty. Go ahead, my friend. 
I did, David, as we speak. Ash Barty looks like she has indeed, David, dropped the um, second set. Barty wins the first set 6-1. Just dropped the second set to Chilean opponent, Machova, 6-3 in the second. So Machova as well started the third set, looking to consolidate a break but possibly go up to love in the third set, David. So some worrying, worrying for Ash Barty at the moment down there at Melbourne Park. Indeed, let's hope she can pull through it. She's up against it. Serena Williams looking very dangerous if she can hold a fitness and form. But Osaka looms large there. I think Osaka, particularly if Barty gets Rissold, um, Osaka plays Williams in the semifinals. Goodness me, that's going to be a game of tennis. And uh, certainly you would think that the draw is opening up. Rafael Nadal is still fit, Lucas, and a lot of the others are just falling by the wayside, having not having much preparation. You would think that Nadal is in a good place to perhaps win another Australian Open. Um, yeah, interesting on that women's side too, David. I've followed the tennis for quite a while, especially this tournament. has been quite hard to follow in some cases because it's actually two weeks later than the normal second week in July start date. But going back a few days, mentioning that Naomi Osaka, they're actually... Saved two match points in that in that game a few rounds ago to a to a Gabe Muguruza actually saved two match points and came out on top to Osaka, probably the form player in the tournament at the moment. Barty struggling, and then as you said, there in all the United States that match David Osaka and Williams who coming in at the tenth seed. Obviously, with that tenth seed, obviously a few harder matchups to get to this point, but you can't underestimate the athlete that Serena Williams is David. You, you can't. Lucas, uh, were there any other any other things that you would like to bring up in, in this, our first podcast for a while? And it's good to talk general sport with you. I know you love sport as much as I do. Anything else you wanted to talk about today with our, with our listeners, mate? I think that's about it for me, David. Just a couple of quick things, though. I know you've done an um, NFL podcast with our mutual friend, Sam Dickman, in the past. But interesting to see. First time I've spoken to you since the Super Bowl. So interesting things coming out in the week, David, too. Star Seattle quarterback, Russell Wilson, looks like he's wanting some more input in, uh, in, in drafts and um, some management things. So quite an interesting thing going down there from what is normally quite a, quite a quiet and um, quiet man that is Russell Wilson, David. Yeah, look, the NFL is a watch this space at the moment, Lucas, because there are so many things happening in the background. The Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade is the first of many. It'd be fascinating to see who ends up where. Um, the big money is that the Dolphins are into Deshaun Watson hugely, um, and perhaps the Colts and the Bears are in for Carson Wentz, but there's a massive amount going on right now. And, of course, of course, a draft happening shortly. And also, NFL sides have to be very careful because they don't know where the salary cap's going to land. They're saying between 175 and 190 million. 175 means there have to be a lot of cuts. Um, 190 would mean... Basically, they're okay, but clubs have to be very careful because the NFL salary cap is a hard cap, not unlike the NRL and the AFL. Um, baseball, of course, has got a luxury tax, as does basketball, but football doesn't. So really, really interesting there. And I see that PSG has wristled Barcelona in the uh, European Cup this morning. That's a massive win and goes to mind to show how the PSG are one of the preeminent sides in Europe, Lucas. Indeed, I think Kylian and is the first... Uh first person to score a hat-trick in the Champions League against Barcelona too, David, so that's astonishing for a man that's only in his early 20s, so much of a career ahead of him. Indeed, and Lucas, just quickly on a local thing, the Newcastle uh, representative cricket side heads to um, 
Goulburn on Saturday night to play Riverina in the state final. I know you keep an eye on local cricket as well as, as it's certainly something I'm involved with in the Newcastle area. Going to be a massive final. Terrific Riverina bowling lineup. Top class, actually. Should be a great game of cricket on neutral ground in Goulburn, Lucas. Yeah, interesting, David. Great to see the summer bash conclude over the weekend as well with Newcastle City being victorious there. But yeah, great to see some representative cricket going down, David. Especially with the times we have at the moment with travel sort of being limited. But yeah, very strong with arena spiders that have been for a while. And no shortage of talent in this region as well. Some great bowlers, some great batsmen, some great people as well, David, around. Also great to see both the uh, Newcastle and Lake Macquarie side fairly successful in the, in the regional bash as well, David, the SDG a few weeks ago. That would have been a great, uh, great few weeks to be a part of. It certainly was. Unfortunately, we didn't come up with a result. Congratulations to the ACT Aces. And Lucas, one thing that, just before I go, that we've you and I have been involved with for many years is sports commentary together. In fact, we've probably grown together as commentators from when you started, when you were 17 years of age. Um Interesting to see that cricket has got a big boom in live streaming. That New South Newcastle River in a game will be live streamed and commentated. And there's been live streaming done of T20 games in Newcastle in the last few weeks. And the reports around the traps is that they're being very well received, Louis. Yeah, it's great to see, David. Neither can I. Lucas, thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you in a sport. I really wanted to catch up with you and get your insights into what's going on at, at Collingwood. Thank you so much for your honest opinions as always and your wonderful knowledge of sport as always, my friend. I would like to make this a regular thing and just catch up with you, particularly leading into the AFL season. And, and I hope that you've got time to do our regular AFL and AFL HGC podcasts throughout the football season, my friend. Indeed, I have, David. Can't wait for that yet. Will be a fair bit going on in the next few few weeks, David. Obviously, they've announced next year, but who knows how that will change going through the week of the season with the season scheduled to kick off. Is it what the second or last weekend of March? So, uh, a bit of water to go under the bridge till then, but can't wait for it. Neither can I. My name's David Redden. On behalf of the great man, Lucas James Holmes, thank you so much, Louis, for your time. That's been the Lucas and Redders podcast for uh, the 17th of Feb. Louis and I look forward to be back with you very soon again on Spotify. And don't forget to look, uh, we'll be on the Spotify platform, look up Redders Sports Podcast. I know Lucas will put a link on his, I'm assuming you will, Lucas, onto your Facebook page for all his mates and so forth. So please keep an eye out for us. On behalf of Lucas, it's David Redden here saying good afternoon.